This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gills, Gilbert right here in the GPC studios with two adorable Bonanri dogs. Make sure you get into the fridge. Go check out what they have. I know it's a couple road games here, but whenever you're in Manhattan, make sure you stop by the fridge. They can help you with your entertainment needs. And I mean that in every way. Go in there and ask for bourbon and wine recommendations, maybe some beer and even vodka recommendations. And then get into their favorite TV shows and possibly concerts and If any of them like to go to live theater, just talk to the staff about all that. They can help with any kind of entertainment needs you need. But don't ask for a diehard on VHS because the younger people don't have any clue what you're talking about. I think Colin Gills barely know what you're talking about. I guess you're calling me young. I'll call you a punk. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan Gilbert. I'm so glad you're here. It's always more fulfilling when you're here. Just because you get some better eye candy. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's all I'm about. I'm about the eye candy. And this is ear candy if you're interested in K-State football. Here is, well, K-State sports. Here's how it works. If you're a subscriber at GoPowerCat.com, you can ask us the questions. If you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, you can still hear the answers. But make sure you consider just give us a chance. Come over. One buck for a month to get a test drive. What you got to lose? A buck? Yeah. Ryan Gilbert will give it back to you if you don't like it. Because yeah. he gets paid I, a lot in ones. But it's the truth. It does. <laughs> it's true. It is. But he's not going to give you your money back. No. That's not how no. that works. There was, a, there was like an asterisk, uh, like a vocal asterisk there that you couldn't see or hear. You ain't getting your money back. We're going to keep that dollar and spend it on the fridge wholesale liquor. Let's get to your questions from Wabash Station. I'm going to make Cole read the first half because I don't know what we've got for the first and second half. There's only one basketball question. It's in the second half? It's in the second half. Okay. Well, I'm going to make Ryan Gilbert read the first half, like I said, and uh, then we'll get to basketball in the second half. So he'd be poised to strike like a cobra. I'm the backup getting the start, though, for the first half. Wow. Don't burn your I'm red Will shirt. Howard. Don't burn your red shirt. <laughs> it's okay, Jerry. I think he's only participated in like three podcasts this fall, so that still he <laughs> still might still, keep his still eligibility. Okay, this is the last one. <laughs> okay, Jerry, let's let's go. Here's your questions from Wabash Station with the one, the only. Thank God, Ryan Gilbert from Three G Wildcat. I feel like Adrian Martinez and the coaches had a "let's try for zero turnovers" mentality and called and executed safer plays for Martinez versus Howard. Do both Martinez and the coaches play a more open style now that the turnovers have occurred? I don't totally disagree with that. I think they were certainly calling plays predicated on who was that quarterback. I think that's obvious. I don't think they can even try to argue against that. But I don't think they weren't trying to turn it over. But I, I almost feel like Adrian was being overly cautious and then totally misread a linebacker and where he was at on that play and through the interception. And I asked him about it. I, is it good to have it over with? And kind of said, yeah. I mean, you don't have to think about it. He said, not that I was thinking about it, but now it's out of the way. We got it done. But, like, I understand this question, but do you ever, like, have a, a play in your playbook or a game plan that's like, all right, let's not try for zero turnovers? Like, I understand this question is insinuating that they are more risky with Will Howard. And maybe I get that. I understand that. But I would also say that rushing your quarterback 16 times during the game is kind of risky, right? I mean, right. that's that's not – the difference between throwing it 35 times a game versus 25 times a game and running the quarterback 16 times a game versus running the quarterback three times a game, I would almost say that running your quarterback that often is, is almost more risky for your game plan than than throwing it around that much. I, I – the. The deal is interceptions are going to happen. People got frustrated on Saturday night because they felt like Will Howard would have been different. if he, The outcome of the game would have been different had Will Howard been in the game. We'll never know. Um, I'm sure that conversation will get brought up in this podcast, so I'll save that conversation for then. But It really won't. I mean, I don't think it will. The, the, at the end of the day, 
The difference between Adrian Martinez and Will Howard is simple. Will Howard is a passing quarterback, is a pocket passer. Adrian Martinez is an athletic, outside of the pocket, rushing the football, throwing intermediate routes. That is the reality of the situation. The two players are completely different. You're comparing apples to oranges. And if you want to say that Will Howard would have won the game for K-State, I do not agree with you because you know how many times Will Howard would have got sacked in that game where Adrian Martinez completely evaded the rush? Did he have did he have two turnovers? Sure, but guess what? The defense created two tur- two turnovers. The turnover battle was e- was even. There's a reason that it's called a turnover battle. There are two sides who were trying to turn the ball over. This is not a one sided street. I, I I get so frustrated when people have this notion that Adrian Martinez lost K State the game because he did not. He played one of his better games of the season that just so happened to have one bad pass that the Texas linebacker made a good play on that led to points for the Longhorns. That's the end of the story. Yeah, and to your point, Adrian Martinez, the play calls that he gets are a safer style of football than what you'll get with Will Howard. Will Howard probably, if he was the quarterback for the last eight, nine games, he'd throw some interceptions. Yeah. He'd throw more than one than what Adrian Martinez has thrown. And really, the the way that the linebacker dropped back, not really expected. You know, Adrian didn't – he said that. He didn't really expect it, him to be he be back that far. So, you know, one interception like that, you know, the fumble – was just kind of, you know, it's at the end of the game. That's what happens when your back's against the wall at the end of a game like that. But, no, I think it's two different styles of football, and one just happens to be safer than the other. And, you know, it, Will Howard showed that his was a little bit more exciting, and, you know, he didn't really turn the ball over, and he, he got the job done. But I don't, you know, to your point, I don't think that Will Howard wins that football game any differently because you look at the first half and it was all in the, all in the defense. It is two different styles of playing. I'm, I'm trying to distract Gills. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is why I always stutter and I know can't talk straight. They're two different styles of, of playing, but at the end of the day, it's all mental and it's about making those decisions, right? Martinez clearly is more conservative with the football. The play calling is obviously more conservative with him in there, but his decisions are conservative as well. I mean, Rubley had what? Was it just one pass attempt yeah. against TCU and it was awful and it got picked? So Martinez is is probably more hesitant to pull the trigger than Howard is. That's probably the biggest takeaway for me. Obviously, the play calling is different, but Howard just goes out there and plays. And I think Martinez still has something in the back of his mind that he's just afraid to turn the ball over. Hey. And let's not forget, yeah. Martinez could have four or five you know interceptions on the season already. I couldn't go back and name you every single one of them, but there's been a few passes where you hold your breath and you think I mean, Malik Knowles had a defensive play basically as a wideout where he had to, you know, prevent an interception. So Martinez has, you know, had some, um, you know, questionable decisions, but I think those questionable ones stay in the back of his mind. And that's why he's uh, a little bit more conservative. I think we're also not taking into account that the Oklahoma State secondary was absolutely awful when Will Howard threw the ball. Mm -hmm. They were terrible. We're not taking into account in the first half of the game against TCU that the TCU defensive backs were absolutely terrible. This is a week-in, week-out thing with those defenses. I'm not discrediting anything that Will Howard did, but I'm just saying it was the perfect storm for Will Howard to have success. And, Ryan, I understand your point, but if we're going to count almost interceptions, think about how many almost interceptions that K-State has had this season, too. I understand the argument with that, and I get that. I really do. But the bottom line is Adrian Martinez has had one interception on the entire season and people still to this day would rather have Will Howard play because like I always say, the backup quarterback is the most wanted person on every football team. They're the most likable person. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't know about Chad Henney. <laughs> well, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But if there's ever, if there's ever a quote unquote quarterback controversy, the backup will get the benefit of the doubt over the starter every single day of the week. That's just how people are. I, I'm I gonna, a few weeks ago though. I don't think many people were really, well, this is why this is also, about Will Howard. Yeah. Yeah, this is why this is, argument is, but ridiculous. now people love him. Yeah. It's a revolving door. Stay tuned in the third half of this podcast when we actually do compare apples and oranges. We should just spend a whole half on that. One's a citrus and one's not. I know. It'd be there interesting. You go. From L1064, why did Chris Kleiman end the game with two timeouts in his pocket? Adrian Martinez would have benefited greatly 
in that closing drive. And this is something he talked about today in his press conference. Well, they were going to take a timeout yeah. after the play, and the play was a fumble. He wanted to be able to use those last two timeouts as they got closer to the goal line. I mean, let's be honest. They had to make another play to even make it tangible, and Adrian hung around in the pocket, was trying to find a receiver, and, and got the ball stripped. I don't, I don't fault Adrian Martinez for that because I think normally he might have been looking to run earlier, but he was determined to try to find a receiver to get the ball further down the field instead of using up a bunch of time scrambling. So it, it, that was just good play by Texas. So on, State had its timeout. They were going to call a timeout yeah. because the first down stopped the clock for 10, 15 seconds. Then they were going to call a timeout. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Texas rushed through on that play. You have your NFL offensive guard who is double teaming a nose guard who really isn't even trying to rush the passer at that point. They kind of, the defense, I get, let me take that back. The defensive end slanted in. The nose guard went the other way. Um, and so you had one guy who, Hayden Gillum, is basically just kind of out there hanging out. Um, I understand. Like, I understand the process. But if there was any way, right, to make sure that you want the guy single blocked, if there's any offensive lineman that you want to single block somebody, you got to have Cooper Beebe be that guy who single blocks a defensive a defensive lineman. There's no reason you need to leave your true sophomore Hadley Panzer out there on the end. I I, I get that there was some protection that you know that's usually the offensive line. It's a spur of the moment type of thing, and I get that a guy slanted that way. So credit Texas for knowing they're going to try and isolate Hadley Panzer. I'd have to go back and look, but that was one thing where I didn't. You know, I'm sure looking at the film, the coaches realized, okay, crap. If we're going to have somebody single block in those situations, it needs to be Cooper Beebe. Like, he's a guy who can handle anybody. But, yeah, I think the timeout situation is um, – I understand why people are frustrated. But if you want to be frustrated about the time management, be frustrated with the time management on the drive before that. Yes. Don't be frustrated on the last drive because they had the ball. They had, Whenever they had the ball, they're going to have to score no matter what. Be frustrated on the drive before that. Um, and they should have – if you want to talk about taking timeouts, you could make the argument that they should have took a timeout there when they're all discombobulated. And Adrian Martinez is up at the line of scrimmage telling each individual person what play they're going to run only for it to be an inside zone that got two yards. So if you want to be frustrated, be frustrated with the time management on that drive because I feel like as soon as they kicked a field goal, the odds went way down that they were going to have a chance to tie that game um, as soon as they kicked that field goal. I mean, how many seconds were wasted with everyone looking at the sideline waiting for the play to come in on that drive? And even even the, the drive after, you have Ben Sinnott celebrating a first down. <laughs> yes, the, the clock has stopped, but he's doing his little first down motion like it's the first quarter and it's 7 nothing. Like, it's just like the, the sense of urgency, not only from the coaching staff, but the players in that moment, it just seemed like the the recognition that they were down seven, they needed to score. There's less than two minutes on the clock. It just, it didn't seem like. I agree. It, it, it didn't, it, it felt like K-State, like it was overtime, basically. Like there was no clock. They just had to keep getting first downs and eventually score and they can continue the game. It felt like the clock didn't matter at all and that's at on, that point. That's on the guy calling the plays. Yeah. I, I, that, that's, my, that's my belief anyway because really at the end of the day what it comes down to is you get a play call in and no matter what the no – matter, no matter what the look is, you run it. Like I understand that people are like, oh, they want to try and call the perfect play for the perfect look. But you can run any play against any formation. Right there's there's option routes that receivers can take. There's there's offensive linemen know how to adjust to certain formations. That's what they prepare for during the week. You call the play and you run it. And if it doesn't work, then you get on the ball and you run the next play. This the 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 way that they handled that first or that second to last drive was 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 just bad. It just was. And was. and for a two minute drill, how you don't have something completely scripted that you know is going to work against, like you say, any offense or any defense. And when you're passing the ball like that, the defense is going to play a little soft. You're going to be able to complete passes and get them to the sidelines and, and stop the clock. So, you know, as we saw with, you know, Tom Brady on Sunday, mm -hmm. I don't want to compare Adrian Martinez to Tom Brady. But Martinez is better than that. Yeah. yeah. My point is. It's not fair to Martinez. You can run a competent offense in 45 seconds and score mm -hmm. a touchdown from midfield. Mm -hmm. right? It's not hard. It's really not hard to move the ball down the field at the end of a game if you manage your time correctly. Take and in the, the NFL, you. in the NFL, the clock doesn't stop if you get tackled on a first down in the middle of the field. 
So you even have that advantage in mm-hmm. college that you can get a first down and throw over the middle of the field and run down and clock it, and you don't lose much time. So just the end of the game was frustrating. It felt like everything was moving in slow mo, like K State was moving in slow motion, and the clock was moving at regular pace. And maybe I'm crazy, but until I saw that fumble go into the grasp of the Texas Longhorns player, I still felt like K State had a chance. Just okay. because the way felt like that they had a chance, yes, but they, still they had were two timeouts. They were, yeah, yeah. they had two timeouts. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, complaining about Chris Kleiman having two timeouts at the end, I don't think that's as big of a deal because they there was enough time for them to get down the field and use them. Like the the opportunity was there to use them, bef- you know, if the fumble didn't happen. So, yeah, it can be frustrating that you could have pointed at certain times where they could have called a timeout, but I think that. You know, the, the timeouts is kind of a moot point versus yeah. the time management overall as a whole, because the, the concerns I have are not about when you call a timeout. It's about get your play in, spike the ball, do do whatever. You don't need all four, you don't need all four plays on a on a first down or, you know, when, when you're at the end of the game. You can you can take care of it in three plays. Yeah. Good. Time management was bad. But at the end of the day, that's not why K-State lost the game. It's because Martinez fumbled the ball. Well. I mean, yeah, no, at, at but the, yes. At, at the very end it is, yeah. but not K-State only, right. did not lose because it ran out of time and had to just chuck one up to the end zone, right? Obviously, the time no. management was bad, but, I mean, where were they at the Texas 40, maybe, when they when he fumbled that? Close, 50, okay. other side of the 50, okay. yeah. So, it was bad. I'm not trying to defend it at all. I'm just saying that that, Time management really didn't lose K-State the game, in my opinion. I guess you guys might disagree, but the fumble was what ultimately lost them the game. Yeah, at the very end. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. From third-gen Wildcat, I'm not sure what K-State's run-pass ratio ratio has actually been, but it seems to me that the offense runs better with a 50-50 or 60-40 ratio favoring the pass, not the run. Agree or disagree? Spence, playing quarterback. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the team you're playing. I mean, you just can't make those wild statements about because um, every every team's different. How they're defending you, what they're giving you, what they're trying to take away. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like when you got Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, you probably want to run the ball. Rapid fire question fits. Okay, are you ready for this? Yep. Are you ready on your on your toes? I'm going to throw it to you really quickly. Oh yeah, I'm on my toes. K State's best offensive position group. Uh, that would of course be receiver. Um, no, uh, let's get serious here. Uh, best like overall Offensive position group quarterback. Okay. I mean, what's their worst offensive positions group re- receiver to mm-hmm. me. So if you say, and that's something we're not talking about. Part of the disorganization was the fact that they were, had two new receivers in and not the same receivers they've been using the whole game. And those guys Honestly, they weren't ready to be out there. So is your starting quarterback a better thrower or a better runner? Uh, He's a better runner, I can tell you that. Okay, so let me just – off of those two basic statements, then throwing the ball would not be your best decision if you wanted to try and move the ball down the field and score points. Based solely off of answering the question that the receivers are the worst position group and your running quarterback is your best, quote-unquote, position group, I would make the argument that your offensive line as a collective is probably better than your two quarterbacks, but that's neither here nor there. Um, This team, I haven't seen that on a consistent basis. You have not. I certainly didn't see it against Texas. I saw it against Oklahoma State, and then it went away. I would think for the most part that the run attack, this team is built to run the football. That's just that's just the basic that's just the that's just the fundamental fact. You have a running quarterback. You have one of the best running backs in college football. You have a, a really good interior offensive line when it comes to running the ball. Ryan Wallace put something up on our on our message boards that um, talked about when Deuce Vaughn ran between the tackles, and the data shows that. Wow, hint hint, he's actually pretty good at it. Um, yeah, I think that this team needs to run the ball more than they need to pass the ball as a whole. You know, then when you take into consideration game planning, sure. But this team's bread and butter, bread and butter is running the football, which is why Adrian Martinez got the nod as starting quarterback and why he's going to start the rest of the season. Okay, so what do you guys feel like the percentage of time Kansas State runs the ball versus passes without looking at the stats? What What do you fifty five fifty five run forty five pass? I would say it's probably closer sixty forty run pass. Okay. 
are you taking into account called pass plays no, I'm just taking or just run? How they ended okay. up. Yeah. So that does include some called mm-hmm. pass plays that end up scrambles. 50-50. Cole's nailed it. Cole, it's exactly 60-40. Yeah, she's so run. smart. You know, I know. That's why he's the head of the class. That's why. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's just how it works. Which tells you they think that their best opportunity is to get 20 to the football. Well, that seems like a good piece of coaching right there. It does. Although he wasn't as effective on Saturday. I, I'm just going to say it. Folks, you can look around for all the reasons why Kansas State lost against Texas. It was coaching. It was quarterback. It was the defense. Texas was better. That's it. That yeah. That's it. Texas was better overall in the game. They were better athletes. They were better coached. Created they were turnovers. Better prepared. They, they created crucial turnovers. They did all the things you need to do to win, and yet and yet, Kansas State playing a superior athletic team was in the game in the fourth quarter with a chance to tie or win. And you know what? I, I feel like despite the deficiencies in this game from the quarterbacks or the running backs or the receivers or the defense or the coaches, that says something about the team. They didn't surrender the fight. They kept going. This isn't a flawless team. The talent isn't where they need to be to be elite in this conference. If you turn around and look at when Kansas State won Big 12 titles, they had some really elite talent. They have a really elite running back. They've got some good defenders, but they just don't have the depth and the quality yet. It's still a work in progress. You've got to build that up. Kansas State's not a program where a coach climbing or any other coach can take over and say, five stars, we're just not going to get them. We're going to flip the switch. And we're just going to get all the best players in the country. That's not how it works. You've got to kind of build up to it. And we're seeing that build up in 2023 where the quality is going up. You just got to keep climbing. And so, oh, let's see what I did there. Just keep climbing. Okay. K-State played a C-plus game. Texas played probably a B-plus to an A A game. Yep. The last time they played an A game, they lost by three points to Alabama. Mm -hmm. They just so happened to come in and play an A first half. Maybe an A-plus first half. In the second half, they look like Texas. So let me get this right. So if Kansas State does play Alabama in a bowl game, uh, Kansas State's going to lose by four? No. Wouldn't it, be, by nine? it would technically be 10. By 90. 10? But, oh, I'm, I'm sorry about yeah, it, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Last question I'll of take the first it. half. <laughs> Go hang, hang a banner up. Yeah, hang a banner. Lost by 10, lost to, by 10 Alabama. to Alabama. Nice. From Ghost Day, Kate, last question of the first half. I keep hearing people about people being negative towards players and coaches on social media, but I don't personally see it. Are the negative minority given too much attention? Yes, and you also have to be cautious. A lot of times the negative comments come from a, an account you've never seen before, and that doesn't mean it's just some quiet fan that's disgruntled or drunk. It's probably not a K-State fan. And how do I know this? Because I know K-Staters have KU burner accounts. Everyone does it to their rival. They want to make their rival look bad. And so they put out stuff that makes their rival look bad, pretending to be them. I'm always really cautious. We we see K-State or a power cat in their, their picture, and you're like, oh, it's a K-Stater. Come on. It may not be, particularly if it's an account you just have never heard from. But... With that said, I still see stuff on our message board, and I know they're K-Staters running down some players, wanting climbing, fired. Come on. I mean, what what is that? It, 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 people just get into their emotions and say stuff. People vent. And it used to be back in the day, you would scream at your TV, yell at the top of your lungs, scold the dog, be mean to your family, maybe even break your TV. And now you just go on social media and make an ass of yourself. And how do I know this? Because I've done it. So, I mean, it's just an, it's just how we handle things in society now, and it's stupid. It's not just K-State sports. It's everywhere. It's not just K-State sports. And I get sick of people trying to say it's K-State sports. I mean, you see it from every fan base, and then you see it, people pretending to be fans, and yeah. It's not just sports. It's every walk of life, too. Oh, exactly. But also, this has gone on for years where players, and not just K-State players, any players, they'll have a column on their tweet deck with their name in it. They'll read anything that's said about them, good or bad. And after a loss, mm-hmm. they'll find the bad. So, And that's the other you know, thing. It's, it's like poking it's, the cavity with your tongue. You seek that out. 
Yeah. After a loss, it's just weird. We're we're all weird. We're all screwed up. I just don't understand people that do this though. Like, I mean, we can sit here and say, "Don't pay attention to it," and I agree, don't pay attention to it. But if you're one of these people that 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 has this attitude, I understand because it, it, it can be rough, especially when you're so emotionally invested into what you're doing. If you are a diehard fan who lives and dies K State, because that 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 was been me, you know, when I was in high school and and all that kind of stuff, but. It's important to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. And when you do that, you realize that this program is on an upwards trajectory. K-State basketball is on an upwards trajectory. And of all the schools in this conference, K-State is on the right track compared to all these other schools. And they're set up to be one of the best programs in the whole entire new Big 12 conference. When you look at it like that, you can't help but smile. Yep, I agree with that. The, the people I really can't explain are the ones that – you know, sure, people lash out against the quarterback or the coach, and, you know, that had a direct impact on the game. The ones that start attacking other people, you know, they just they just start, like, spraying the machine gun fire at anyone who gets in their range. And, um, man, get some, get some emotional help. You can tweet at me. Tweet at me and get mad at me. That happened. That fits. That happened to me this weekend. I had at, people mad at me at Cole Carmody. Uh, what? What? Uh, what did they say? I said, if you're going to blame Adrian Martinez for the loss, you're no better than the Nebraska fans who booed him off the field. Well, that kind of triggered some Nebraska fans, and it it triggered some K State fans too. Good. So, what did trigger the peeps? Yep. Cole hates everybody. Cole hates all. But Cole will be back after this break, along with the rest of us. The dogs are being surprisingly good. That'll probably change in the second half of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by The Fridge. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the PowerCat Podcast. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. You should have heard the discussion in the break. I have no idea what's going on in the studio. I'm completely lost. There's some tension. There is. We just got a little tension in here. I mean, we're like fighting with everyone. The dogs are pretty relaxed. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Naps Carlson. That's going to be a nickname. What's my nickname? Gills. When can I get a new one? Can I request a nickname trade? Yeah, sure. What do you want? I thought you're not supposed to come up with your own. That's why. I'm going to say no, so it doesn't matter what we come up with. I say he trades nicknames with Hayden Gillum, and we call him Gilly. Mm. Ooh, I like that. Hmm. I'll take it. How about we actually call, give you the nickname what we call you? That'd be <laughs> dead. <laughs> yep, now I've got something to edit. Hey, uh, we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I'm looking on their uh, social media here. Uh, there's no nudes. Really disappointed. But there is a new product at the Fridge called Grape Vodka Transfusion. Now, if you're one of those weirdos that likes ginger beer, which actually is regular beer but made by redheads, um, it's it's got that in it. It's got vodka in it. It's got grape flavoring in it. Um, yeah, that. That actually looks like something I might try, even though I don't like ginger beer. But this one's intriguing. And I bet you our old friend, uh, who we can't mention on this podcast anymore uh, because he works for the competition, uh, would uh, really like this new product because I'm kind of intrigued by it. It's Crown Royal. Crown Royal Salted Caramel. Mm. It's, it's going to be worth a try. Vanilla's pretty good. He likes the peach, I think, which is just weird. He likes the apple. the apple. He likes the apple. Yeah, but I might give that a shot. I haven't drank Crown in a long time, but I am a big salted caramel fan. And I even say it caramel, not caramel, because I'm a, a damn fine American. Do you have a jar of caramels upstairs? I used to, but then I'd eat them all, which is kind of what the purpose of them are. Anyhow, questions from all our station. Onward we go. Cole's taking over. Blah, blah, blah. Let's go. From everyone's favorite, Adam K. 63. Ah, that no. Who's favorite? Man. Mine. I, I see him every week in the damn press box, and he asks me questions. And I'm like, hey, Adam, how you doing, man? Hey, you get one a week, Adam, and it's on this podcast. Is there an officiating problem in the Big 12 Conference? No. No, I actually think it's been pretty good this year. I didn't think it was great Saturday. Honestly, it felt like an old-time Texas game where they got all the calls, and that hasn't been necessarily true lately. I thought it was pretty shoddy. But look, let's let's get to the 
the call that most people are upset about, it's the Julius Brents targeting call. And by the rule, as Chris Kleiman said on Tuesday, that was the proper call. The problem with it isn't the call. It's the rule. Mm -hmm. That was a defenseless receiver. And as Chris Kleiman said, but he's got a split second to determine he's defenseless because he dropped the ball. If he catches the ball and starts to make a move, then he's not defenseless. He didn't lead with his headgear. He led with his shoulder. He didn't intend to impact the face. He, the guy kind of leaned down into it because why? He dropped the ball. So it's just, it was a crappy circumstance. Look, at the end of the day, they need to determine intent. His intent was to break up a pass play, not injure. And you have seen, we've all seen targeting calls where it's clear they're intending to injure. They pin their arms back. They lead with their helmet. They intentionally drop with all their weight on top of a quarterback. They, you know, I mean, we saw Skylar Thompson get speared, you know, in his throwing motion. I get all that, but there was no intent to injure the opposing player. His intent was to hit him hard, which is called, ready? This is going to be controversial, football. And and so the problem is the rule, not the application. I'm tired of this stuff. There's, there's Football is a, a violent sport. There's a simple answer to this. Now, during the break, we may or may not have been talking about the sport that no one in America likes, <clears throat> soccer. Have um, fun. <laughs> <laughs> in soccer, there is a yellow card and there is a red card. Two yellow cards equals a red card. If you get a red card, you can't play anymore. This is pretty simple. Targeting one is a yellow card. Yeah. Guess what? That's your first one. If you do it again during the game, guess what? That's your second yellow card. What did we say earlier? Two yellow cards equals a red? You're done. Guess what? Targeting two, that's a red card. If you try to hurt him, if there's intent to injure, if there's malicious contact that is avoidable, that is targeting two. That is a red card. You are done. This is simple. End of discussion. Shouldn't even be brought up. This needs to be a rule that's changed. That was pointing to you to go to the next question. Unless you've got something else. Uh, my problem with officiating in the Big 12 is unnecessary announcements from the referees. Oh, it's, it's obnoxious. Especially the guy that shows off his muscles. Scott Campbell. Sure. In reality, he's the he's actually the worst. That's the worst crew in this conference. He's so worried about his image. I mean, it's like, I'm in charge here. That was the first down. That was ruled a first down on the field. Well, no crap. The runner made it past the first down stick, Scott. Thanks for the announcement. Never forget last year when at the coin toss, he said, gentlemen, welcome to Farmageddon. That was pretty funny, though. I mean, it was, yeah, but still. I, I think they actually improved their officiating. I think they brought in some good new white hats. Um, I didn't like the crew Saturday. I thought they didn't call an evenly applicated game. I almost felt like they were trying to make up for for uh, pitiful Texas fans who whined about all the penalties they had against Oklahoma State, even though most of those penalties were pre-snap self-imposed penalties, not judgment calls. Uh, still, um, I mean, overall, I think they did a good job of going out and hire, hiring officials to replace some of their main guys and you know, we got we got rid of some bad white hats, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was a, what was it, Mike Defee? I, th- I thought he was pretty good, but the other guys were trash. And I thought they did, I think they've done a good job. Now, if you want bad officiating, go to the Pac-12, where yep. apparently it's, it sounds like the Big 12 stole the best, best Pac-12 white hat, and he's now working the league. So it's it's quite interesting. This answer for basketball is going to be way different when we have this conversation in two months. Well, and here's what's really fascinating to me. Well, basketball officials work all kinds of leagues, but if if everything goes down as we think it will and eventually the some Pac-12 teams move into the Big 12, will the Big 12 be able to resist the temptation of just hiring some of the Pac-12 crews to work Big 12 games and inherit their problems with officials, or do they go out and try to find other ones? I would almost prefer if you see a Pac-12 crew that's stinking it up, go get a Mountain West crew. Go get someone who doesn't think they're they're elite officials already and make them earn it. So, I mean, if there's, if there's bad officiating, it's not the Big 12, it's the Pac-12. So stay away from that. Next question comes from Cliff Clavin 754. The West Virginia kickoff time is another six-day hold. Does the new TV deal allow for this crappy practice to continue? I thought the TV could only hold games twice a season. I thought TV could only hold games twice a season. Yeah, I got a Cliff, uh, if that's your real name. Um, I've been confused by that. 
they've had a lot of holds this year, and I, I don't know how it works. And I thought it was per entity, and now we've got a league-wide hold next week. I just texted someone from West Virginia. Because here's the question. If if K-State loses this weekend, in all likelihood, that's going to be an ESPN Plus game. And that means it'll be up to West Virginia to pick the kickoff time when it works for them. Some people at K-State suspect that they would want a night game because they're better at night in Morgantown. I think they might want to just get the game played. So, uh, you know, for that, for every person at West Virginia who thinks the team's better at night is someone in the administration's like, but the fans are drunker. We don't want to deal with that. So I will be intrigued to see. But, boy, I tell you what, they I'm almost happy they're a night game this, this week because they've played three road games or two and one in those games. They, they played so well in the first half against TCU. This team's been good in night games on the road. They've, they've played some of their best football going on the road at night. And I'm glad they're not breaking that cycle for this game because this is a big contest. I feel like with West Virginia, you know, it doesn't matter as much. I, I think West Virginia might be done by the time K-State gets there. We'll see. But for this game, hey, they've played three games on the road. They've all been night games. Stick with it. It works fine for me. But, boy, um, from a personal standpoint, it kind of pushes the limits with, with work. West Virginia is going to be done they got, they got to play Oklahoma today, uh, this week. They're going to lose that game. They're going to lose that game by two scores. Neil Brown's going to get fired. That is my I'm sorry. Hot take. I, if West Virginia shows up with the money and says, Here, Neil, we do not want you anymore. Here is your bag. Now leave. I, I do not see that happening. You can... Color me shocked if that happens. Either way, they're going to be... Say they lose this game. They're going to be three and seven. All bowl eligibility will be most likely out of the question. Um, they still get to play Oklahoma, K-State, Oklahoma State. Even with the third-string quarterback, I don't think they beat Oklahoma State, and I I don't think they beat K-State or OU. So um, they are barreling towards a 3-10 and 10 season, and um, or 3-9 and nine season, excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't think this would be a night game. I really wouldn't, but... Uh, I, I would think that they would try and bury this game, to be completely honest with you. They want their fans to see this and their fans only. So it wouldn't surprise me either way. Is it that if this the, is ESPN this game's going to be on OnlyFans? I thought that's what you just said. Huh. Oh, you said fans only. That's mm. a different website. Okay. Sorry, Zach. Don't, don't, you can cancel your subscriptions. <laughs> Gills? <laughs> I agree. Okay. Thank you. From El Camino Cat, handicap the various paths to the Big 12 championship game for the remaining contenders. I'm sorry. I didn't catch the first part of that. What? Handicap the, the, fir- the various paths to the oh, Big 12 paths. championship. Pass. Uh, the paths. The remaining the contenders. TCU. Uh, basically, you got to win. You, I mean, everyone's playing everyone. You, someone goes 3-0, you're probably in. TCU minus 300 right now? Yeah. I mean, TCU's got to collapse, and I don't see them collapsing. I mean, even if – I mean uh, – They're too talented. They have too much talent on their roster with too much momentum to just absolutely poop down their leg down the okay. stretch. Wow. That's good. Okay. Um, let's look at it this way. Let's say TCU loses to Texas, and then TCU loses to Baylor. they got two losses. But here's the catch. Texas and Baylor still have to play, so one of those teams is going to get a third loss. And if they end up tied with K-State with two losses, they've got the tiebreaker. So TCU's almost locked in. They'd have to lose all three, basically. Um, K-State wins all three, they're in. If you're a K-Stater, you're a TCU fan right now. You've already got the loss to them. You want them to beat everyone, and you want to win out, and you're in. You're going to play TCU in in the championship game. I mean, you can get into the weeds all you want, but I look at this from K State's perspective. You got to win. That's all you can control is go win, and these teams will knock each other off, and I think you're in. But man, winning three games in this conference, winning three in a row, that's what's the most impressive thing that TCU's done. They're winning games after games after games. It's so competitive every week, and they're finding a way to win. You can look at their faults, you can find that they're bad in the first half. All that matters is what happens at the end of the game, and they're winning games. Now, do I think Texas wins this weekend? Yeah, I do, actually. But that still means there's more work to be done. And and really, when you get down to it, the biggest threat now to Kansas State not making it to Arlington is Texas because you just gave up the tiebreaker to them. 
Let me let me ask you guys this. I think the easiest way to answer this question is to go through and look at the three most logical, I think we could all agree, Big 12 championship contenders. K-State, Texas, TCU. Oh, Baylor's right in there. And you can throw Baylor in there too, but Baylor is so they, – they have to play these teams still so that they're kind of included in this. Um, I have the schedules pulled up. Let's just go ahead and talk about this TCU-Texas game. Fitz, you said you think Texas is going to win this mm-hmm. game. You do. Okay. I'm not completely sold on Texas. Uh, if I was a gambling advice, and I'm sure you guys – I know you guys will talk about this on the pregame podcast. There's a reason I'm not on there, and Mr. Ryan Gills Gilbert is. Um, Shouldn't be, but I think I, I think TCU has a great chance to win that game. They're a touchdown underdog. I, I think the disrespect is so real for TCU. If they play anywhere like they have throughout the whole entire parts of the season, take away the first half against Texas Tech, I think they win that game. I just can't see Texas putting four quarters together against a team that's very talented. So I think TCU will win that game. Um, and then you look at they play Baylor and Iowa State. That Baylor game for them will be tough. Going on the road, that's going to be tough. I think they'll take care of Iowa State. But, I mean, like we talked about, TCU seems like a lock, right? They seem like a lock to get in. Um, Texas plays TCU, KU, Baylor. I just don't see how they play 12 quarters of consecutive good football because that's what they have to do. If you don't play 12 consecutive good quarters in this three-game stretch, you will lose. Yep. You just you just will. So I, I think that either comes against TCU or, or honestly Kansas. I think those are the two games that you look at and say, Kate, Texas will lose one of those games. I don't know how you guys feel. I'm kind of curious to know your opinion who on does, that. But. Who does Baylor have left? Baylor has TCU, Texas, and K-State. Tough. I don't think there's any way they get in. No. It's a brutal, brutal line of games for them. K-State honestly probably has the best remaining schedule of the three teams. I I would agree. Best remaining schedule, but based on tiebreakers, just with TCU and Texas, they're on the outside looking in. Fair. But again, it just is because I mean, if a Texas win against TCU and that is, I don't want to call it a dagger for K State, but that is a serious blow. Well, when again, it comes to tiebreakers. I mean, all you can control is your team. They've got to win out, and then, I mean, if Texas is good enough to go three and zero down the stretch, also, so be it. If they go three and out down the stretch, they're winning the conference. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to beat TCU again. If that they're really playing that good, they will. And that comes down to this. Do you think TCU, excuse me, do you think Texas can be consistent enough to do that? Hell, they, yeah, they can't even play a consistent game. They're horrible in the second half. I mean, Brian Gilbert, will you be betting Texas in the first half against TCU and then TCU in the second half against Texas? Because that's the way this whole season's gone for these two teams. I can see Texas getting up three touchdowns in the first half like they did against K-State and then completely blowing it in the second half because TCU is like, okay, now we're going to play football because that's what they've done all year. What's more likely? K-State wins out or Texas wins out? K-State. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. But I will be picking Baylor this weekend. Why? Because I don't like the matchup. I've fallen for this trap before with games at Baylor. And plus, when I pick K-State to lose, they typically win. Reverse psychology. Last question of the podcast comes from Old Three Putt. Old Three Putt. Do you think Jerome Tang will turn the K-State basketball program as, around as fast as Lance Leipold has turned the KU football program around? Uh, you're Again... That's apples and oranges. Turning football around immediately is immensely more difficult, and Jerome Tang just has proven it. He literally took his entire roster except two guys and said, go play somewhere else. Now, do I think there's a couple guys they should have probably kept? Yeah, maybe. Um, But I think there was more here than just talent at play. He wanted to get rid of culture. He wanted to reinvent the culture in the locker room as much as anything. So, I mean, you can't get rid of 80% of your roster in football and reload. So it just takes a while. What Lance Leipold's done in Lawrence is amazing. It really is. It's impressive. Especially this year with how good the conference is. Yeah, it's, it's really impressive. And again, I've said this everywhere. It's not that they're winning. It's that. And this is a subtle distinction. They're not losing because in the past, KU would just know we're going to lose. 
we're going to lose. We're going to find a way. We've played well for three quarters. We're going to lose. Now they get down at halftime, and they're like, we're going to win. That's a hard thing to teach a group of guys in the locker room, particularly 85 men in the locker room. So um, it's impressive. Jerome Tang's taking over K-State. He just ran off everyone except two you know, first-year transfers at the program who weren't as ingrained in the culture as anyone else and brought in a bunch of guys that – you know, I, we were under the impression K-State wasn't allowed to have these kind of athletic players. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I mean, it comes down to evaluation. I didn't see a bunch of people out there rioting to add Naquan Tomlin to their roster. That dude can play hoops. So, yeah, I mean, I think K-State basketball has turned around. And this is why I say that. I'm not measuring it by wins and losses and where they're in the NCAA tournament or the Big 12. This team has promise and has a foundation upon which the program can be built. And I don't suspect that there'll be mass exodus of players off of this roster at the end of the year, which we saw time and time again. Yeah, Jerome Tang opened up 11 scholarships. But there were times when Kansas State had seven or eight open scholarships with the returning coaching staff that had been there for a long time. So he's rebuilding the culture in that locker room, and that has to come first before you get everything else. They just do stuff so different. It's Remind me, Zach, that'll be my daily delivery for Wednesday, the locker room. Sounds good. I wouldn't be surprised if every single player – that doesn't, you know, graduate stays and does, nobody enters the transfer portal next season. I would not be surprised if that happens. To answer the question, though, I mean, it is apples and oranges because football is entirely different. But Lance Leipold went two and ten his first season. Jerome Tang is going to flirt with a a record that's going to be above five hundred. I fully believe that. Obviously, Rio Grande Valley and and Washburn aren't good teams. Uh, I know we can't take a ton of stock into these first two games that we've seen, but. They're going to be good. They're going to be competitive. Their defense is tough. And just the athleticism, man, you know, you're going to have off nights. And I feel like when Bruce Weber's teams had off nights, you're kind of toast because when you rely on the things they relied on, you can't win games. But with this team, they're going to find ways to be in every single game. And just the matchups, you know, how hard you work in practice, you have to be giving it your 100% with this team. And that's really what is different with really any, you know, basketball team that we've had in Manhattan. I know Frank Martin's teams, you know, played hard and all that, but you know, the starting five was relatively consistent, right? Yeah. Depending on matchups, depending on how hard you're playing in practice. I mean, nine different guys can start on this. Literally. Team. I mean, Dorian Finister could start. Who yeah. knows? Depends how hard, you know, it, it, your starting spot is very fragile. We saw that, you know, Masood started the exhibition game and then Tomlin got the nod last night or Monday night. And yeah, and we talked about the technical foul um, that Tomlin had last night. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the starting lineup. Tang was angry at him on the sidelines. And I'm sure Tomlin understands what he did isn't the, the char- characteristics of what they want to be doing at, at K-State with culture. So there's no bad blood. You know, Tomlin didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he just kind of celebrated. celebrated a little bit too long. But Tang made it clear. That ain't flying. And he got him out of the game. I don't think Tomlin went back in no. after that. So it's just it's such a different, you know, culture of basketball that we really haven't been around. I know Frank Martin was tough and gritty defense and just pesty defense, all that stuff, but this is just something special, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean Frank Martin was tough love. Bruce Weber was permissive love. Like, you know, okay, you're you're doing this wrong, you know, okay. And Jerome Tang just wants to build a family. I feel like most of what Jerome Tang's done with this program has been in that locker room. And making sure the guys will go to war with each other. It's a it's something that I'll have about three minutes of thoughts on. The way they celebrated Keontae Johnson, to me, yeah. that just tells you everything you need to know. You know what another thing is? When these guys, after they beat Washburn, and then after they beat... R U T A B C D E F G. They come out and they walk around the arena and they give the fans high fives. And give the students, I love it. Everybody, not Everybody. just the students. They do winter all the way around. Everybody. It starts by the tunnel and they go all the way around. Oh, I, I, 
shows how much I was paying attention to so, the game. I'd be curious. I don't to see think you. they need to do that. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I think it's cool for all the kids that might get a chance there. I think that's what it's for. Yeah, yeah but mostly what I like about it is it rewards the students and makes them stick around, mm-hmm. which a lot of them left, which I don't blame. It was a non-conference game. It was a blowout. It's a Monday night. You know, they probably got stuff to do with school the next day, but yeah, I think it's cool. What about when this team loses? I think the last thing you want to do after a loss as a player is go around and, you know, take two minutes. I mean, obviously when you win, it's great. Oh, they 100% when you lose. I I think they will still do it, but yeah, it's not going to be as joyful as we saw it, you know, on Monday night. But it just talks about the program too, though. I mean, that's the characteristics of the program because at the end of the day, Tang always talks about family. You're building that relationship between your fans and your players. If you get your butt kicked by 15, you're not going to want to, but win or lose. That's that just seems like something that they will enforce. So, how about this? Maybe. Um, by the way, how oblivious am I? I didn't realize there was a DJ. Awesome, the, by I, the way. I, I didn't realize the DJ is set up right in front of the band, which is literally right next to us. Was I in my own world? I was just so happy to be able to see the game. I didn't look around. Apparently, I was in my own world. Fits. Yeah. Cole's taking over unders on how many times I jump out of my seat. When the band starts playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit loud. But anyhow, I think they should just turn post-game, after a loss, turn the DJ stand into a shot station. So the guys can come through all the high fives and then pick up a fireball and throw it down and then throw it at the band. I need to be pouring the shots, though, right? You you are qualified to I do so. I have a bartending degree. Yes. <laughs> so random. Oh, we need to end it. We got to get out of here. Are we done? Is that it? Oh, yeah. I want to ask this question. Uh, this question is from Cole Carmody to uh, Zach. Do you still think K-State would lose to Washburn? Any given night. Any given night. Okay. Kansas State basketball <laughs> plays Friday night. night. <laughs> Friday night at Cal. It's actually a 6 p.m. Central game, a very strange tip time. That's 4 p.m. in Berkeley. I don't understand what they're doing. Maybe they're – I'm not – I don't know. But uh, K-State, now good luck finding the game. It's on the Pac-12 network, and the Pac-12 network, it's hard to find if you're in a Pac-12 state. If you want to want to watch the game, just uh, DM Ryan Gilbert. Drop by the house. Will, yeah, uh, come on over. It is on selected you know. cable platforms. I tried to invite GoGo, and... He's being fishy about this. Mm-hmm. He's up to something. I don't think he likes me. Uh, but nobody does. He probably heard about the dead bodies that we yeah, I know. have stored we away. Don't, we're not, we shouldn't say that on the podcast. <laughs> um, you, If you have, like, what... Uh, was it Fubo? Fubu was the streaming service and Sling, and there's something else. DirecTV stream. I don't know. There's not many places to have it. I we're gonna have to find a place in Waco, guys. I don't know. I I, I have no good idea. Luck. Genuinely, like, good luck. Yeah, I will. We'll probably start at a Hooters. That's just how we roll. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.